Wednesday, the 26th of July, last Wednesday in the month, by the way, Dan. That is Dan Nathan. I'm Guy Dami. It's 1 o'clock on the East Coast, which can only mean one thing, market call. And if it's Wednesday, Carter Braxton Worth will be joining us from Worth Charting. So stick around because he'll be here like that. Two shakes of a lamb tail. First person in comments that tells me what movie's that from. Uh, wins a shout out from me and or Dan. Today's episode obviously brought to you by FactSet, Dan. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Before we get into it, New York Giants making a splash, signing their big left tackle, Andrew Thomas, uh, to a five-year extension. As I said, when they drafted him, he will be in the league for the next you know 12 to 13 years at the time. He will be an all-pro left tackle. I love Evan Neal at right tackle. And I love the kid at center, Schmitz, from Minnesota, so before your very eyes, the Giants have built themselves a stout offensive line. I know you don't want to talk about that, Dan, nope. but you know, here we are. Here, here we are. You know, it's funny, Guy. I was thinking about our market call yesterday, and, you know, we did a little trading. You kind of hit up the gasoline. We looked at the crude. We looked at some of the kind of the levels that we're focused on in the uh, S&P and the, and the NASDAQ E-mini futures there. And I figured, you know, God, we had a little bit of a downbeat tone to us for whatever mm. reason. I don't know why. I, they, I don't. They, they, I'm, I'm happy as can be. I feel like I feel like we have a certain level of energy today. And, and maybe it's because we know a little bit more um, from some of the big names that we've kind of been waiting for reporting. I do think it's interesting that we highlighted this last week, that on the day that Netflix and Tesla were both down 9% after their earnings, there was a stock like Triple M, right? That was up like 6% on its earnings. And it's interesting today, and our main man, Carter Braxton Worth, who's going to be joining us in just a, a, a few a few minutes, he had a great technical call on the Boeing that's, that comes out BA. That stock's up 7% today. And, and it's interesting because on a day where Microsoft, down four and a half percent. We're going to talk a bit more about that. You know, you see a Boeing on the other side. So it seems like when money is coming out of these mega caps, right, it is finding a home. Look at the KRE, right? So we saw what happened with PacWest, and we talked about that a little bit on Fast Money last night. But regional banks are having a big run. So we're kind of grinding here where some of the money is coming out of the things that have mm-hmm. powered much of the gains of late, but it's finding a home. Absolutely. And that's a good thing. The rotation that people have been waiting for has been taking place right before our very eyes. You know, you saw Microsoft, you see the move today, uh, but yet it's being picked up to your point by other things. And if this were to continue where some of these big cap high valuation names give some back, as long as it's sort of picked up by something else, that's probably a good thing. We got a quick question here from Gregory C. And we actually addressed this last night on the fast money, but can you or Carter look at RTX for support and Pull up a Raytheon chart real quick, and we mentioned it last night, and I'll mention it again. You know, you have seen some pretty significant drawdowns in this stock over the last few years. Um, but what I'll tell you is this 81.5 level, that was the low we saw back in December of 21. We traded down there again in September of last year. We got damn close over the last couple of days or so. As a matter of fact, I think it got down to 82 and maybe $82 or so yesterday so i think we found the support to answer your question i mean you don't have to race into it today necessarily but you've seen moves to the downside of this magnitude in raytheon um i wouldn't run too far from it if you look at the quarter which you clearly have done uh the quarter was fine it's just obviously the pratt and whitney thing that sort of bit them in the ass i don't know if you can say that on uh market call but i just did dan 
You can say it. It's your show. Um, it streams no, it's live over the interweb. Um, yeah, it's our show. If it's and your time, show. wait, wait. But if it's your time and it's my That's time, right, Mr. Hand, isn't it our time? That's right. Um, let's do this. We we haven't seen Carter in a little bit here. Let's just bring the aforementioned CBW back onto the program. Oh, aforementioned. Aforementioned. Is that facial hair I see on you? I haven't shaved in a day, a couple of days here. Yeah. You're looking good. Carter, so the last two nights, and I know that you've been watching Fast Money, you know, Guy has used this term two nights in a row. You said, for those armchair technicians out there, of which I am one of them. Isn't that exactly right. what you said two days in a row? Now, referring to two different technical setups. Now, can you give us something here, Carter? Are, are Guy and I a little bit more than armchair technicians? We've been watching your work. For over 10 years, and I have to think we picked up some of the best stuff out there as it relates to technical analysis. Well, you're, you're very kind, but flattery will get you nowhere. Uh, no, but seriously, so, I mean, look, it's open to all, and that's the beauty. Just as anyone can do a basic PE analysis, earnings of a dollar, stock trading at 10, hmm, 10 PE, earnings go up, maybe the multiple goes up or stays the same, but it gets you. I mean, now, you know, doing real... Um, balance sheet work and studying credit you need a little more time and effort maybe it's training and i think it's with any endeavor so that it's about the time spent uh, your eyes are working you can see the charts and you can determine levels guy just offered a judgment about the level in rtx that level has a lot of authority and so it's it's just like anything else the more you do it um the more facile it becomes but again it's always subjective and you'll you'll see just as on wall street uh, a big bulge bracket like Goldman will have a buy on a stock and Morgan Stanley will have a sell. You will also see quite often and remarkably so that uh, a technician will have a sell and another will have a buy. Less so in technicals. Most people are aligned in, in the fundamentals. They're all over the place. But even there, it is always and forever subjective in the eye of the practitioner. Well, Guy, you're more to me than an armchair technician. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I, I'll take it, though. I know, I know. Um, all right, Carter, let's talk a little bit. Um, today, the main event, we're going to get to some of the earnings um, that happened last night and that might happen the rest of this week. But, you know, the Fed in the not-so-distant future, they're going to give us uh, another rate increase here, 25 basis points after that hawkish pause in June. CME Fed Fund Tracker saying a near certainty of that. Let's talk about equities you heard us talking about the rotation and you do great work because you know if you're there may, making a sell call on something you're usually on the other side saying hey this and this other sector is starting to shape up and looks pretty good that sort of thing and so i want to look at the s p here for it help us here because yesterday guy and i walked through the s p we locked through the nasdaq 100 obviously they look uh, uh, fairly well extended they're off those trend lines a check back to that 4350 in the s p 500 wouldn't it be really healthy, even if you're bullish? Yeah. So the concept of checkback when initiated, it's the reciprocal of snapback, right? So that stocks in downtrends quite often will snap back. Um, and stocks that are steep, uncorrected uptrends, uh, the idea is that you will see some sort of checkback. Now, uh, that's not an official term, but it's something that's, uh, uh, you know, you'll find in, in Money in Motion in the work. The the normal words are sell-off, correction, dip, decline, drawdown, drop. But it, it it's about um, when you've gone, you've swung too far in one direction. Typically, you'll get some counter trend move. And so, after that slight breakout, we checked back and hit the 
um, the sort of horizontal green line and bounced. And it would be perfectly normal, normative, in many ways welcomed, anticipated that we have that kind of thing again, something in the order of three to five, three to seven percent. Which makes sense, which would be healthy. And I've said this, and you probably agree, I think with each day that we just sort of grind higher, it makes the inevitable that much worse. Let's take a look at the NDX because this is a chart that's looked much better for a longer period of time. As a matter of fact, since the beginning of this year, effectively, uh, it's been lower left, upper right. And that continues. But to Dan's point about this SP, the spider, the SPY, the S&P, a check back to the trend line seemingly makes some sense. In that case, it would be support. In this case, it would be to what continues to be an upward trend. Yeah, I mean, it's really the same shape, uh, same character, just uh, more amplitude, more torque, right? Steeper, uh, bigger move, but the same lows, and the same reference points, and generally speaking, the same angles, just a bit steeper. So here, too, um, I would play for lower. So Carter, but my question here is, so here's a day where, you know, Microsoft, two and a half trillion dollar market cap companies down four and a half percent. Google, one and a half trillion dollar market cap company up six percent. And then everything else is is a bit of a wash. Right. And if you're looking mm -hmm. around, if we just wanted to kind of focus on, let's just say, you know, the rotation we're seeing, you know, some retail stocks are acting OK um, today. Right. The, the regional banks are acting OK. So my, my question kind of is, can the market continue this kind of like the, the Dow is up 12 days in a row, right? Mm -hmm. Can the market continue like this, even if we were to have some of the largest names in the market, like the mega, mega cap tech stocks, if they were to pull back, is there enough like, like of the rotation into some of these other groups that could keep the market from, you know, having more than let's say a 5%, um, you know, decline from these highs? Uh, right. I mean, obviously it's pushing money from one area to another with no real net change. And in fact, it's still ascending every, every day by a little bit. I guess the issue is these are minor moves. So for now, the Tesla move in response to its fundamentals was minor. Yeah. Uh, even the, the Netflix moves. Big moves are like what we saw in Raytheon, right? That dropped 16%. We've not had that. Now, um, you know, that kind of thing would set in motion um, something more sort of pronounced, the downside. The only two left, I would think, that were they to have that kind of move, a Raytheon-type down move, that could set things in motion. Downside, of course, would be Apple and NVIDIA. Before Amazon, we get to the next extent, chart, but, no, I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Card. I was going to say we have a question from Griffin, who's here every day. Any thoughts on Marvell, MRVL? Let's throw a chart up if we could real quick. So, this is a stock that's probably trading around 28 times next year's numbers, which is not ridiculous given what I think their earnings growth is going to be. You obviously see that bit of a gap. I don't know if we can sort of broaden this out and you'll see, you know, we're still a ways away from its prior all-time high. But, you know, as we get closer to earnings, and I think earnings for Marvell are the middle of August or late August, you know, there's a chance we continue to do this grind. I mean, you know, you look at this, Carter, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you know, you sort of pushed down against a certain level three different times, finally broke out through the moving average, seemed to get some, some momentum doing this little basing pattern here. And I think there's another leg higher. Am I looking at this correctly? And I'm not trying to tee up on Marvell because I know you have. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's and if you go to the sort of the this, this chart, of course, is very relevant. But if you go to the daily chart, when you have a, a re-rating like that, right, that one day up thrust and gap. Um, on the first chart, 
you'll uh, 100 million shares change hands, right? That's almost 15% of the float. And so um, you typically will get stuck, and we are, at a level of big re-rating. You'll see Raytheon hasn't moved since it's dropped, which is to say a small gap. Um, there's typically follow-through up or down. But an epic gap, and this is epic, right, a big re-rating, uh, you kind of you go to where you belong, in quotes, if you can use that as a stock belong at any price, and you spend a lot of time backing and filling. And so now it's about time more than the level or the price. Has it spent enough time here um, digesting, working off the excess of that one-day re-rating, which is to say, there are people who react to that one day. There are people who say, I can't believe I just got paid like this. I bought this two days prior. Those people are selling. There are people who are trying to short it. Um, uh, and there are also people who are having a long-term view, the second chart you pulled up, who are saying, hey, this is the beginning of something very important. And they're putting new commitments on just now. But here and now, it's really more of a pair of twos. I would actually bet against volatility, which is to say, when you have a very volatile uh, moment, often news related one day, you typically don't um, have that kind of thing happen um, on a week over week, month over month basis. So I, in fact, I would, if I were long, I'd sell calls. I'd even sell a strangle here. No one will do that, of course, because you're naked both sides or condors, whatever you want the hell to call it. But the point is I would bet that it stays here. You know, it's interesting, Guy, and, and if you look at that gap, it happened within 24 hours of that NVIDIA gap, right, when they guided up. And, you know, if you were to look at Marvel's guidance for the current quarter, I mean, they guided up like on a 30 cent consensus from FactSet to like 32 cents and 1.32 billion in the quarter versus a 1.3 billion consensus. But they said the words. They said that artificial intelligence is, you know, is going to be uh, really important for us. It's going to reaccelerate revenue growth in the back half of this year. And I think, you know, it's kind of caught up in that moment and i'll just say this is that yes a lot of folks have said this is a cheaper way to play the exposure you know like it, it, rather than buying nvidia with a trillion dollar market cap and you know trading at 40 times sales but i mean listen if those if there's not another beat raise when they report next month i mean the stock could fill in that gap you know and so i think it also you got to go back and listen to what Taiwan Semi said is that, you know, yes, there's been tremendous demand for these high-end graphics chips that are being used to train these AI models, but it's not offsetting the weakness that they're seeing across other parts of the semi-universe. So, um, you know, I, it's interesting that Carter's first take would be, if you own it, maybe look to take in some premium because you think it could stay range-bound. But as we get closer to earnings, you really want to take some of the bits and pieces that we're hearing from some of these other companies. Listen, guys, what we heard about Microsoft's cloud business and Google's cloud business, the deceleration, it's not mm -hmm. great. And, and who makes the chips that go into those data centers that power those clouds? You know what I mean? So I think you want to start putting this together. And Amazon next week, and guy, we talked about it on Fast Money last night. Man, you know, if AWS disappoints, that could be something saying something about enterprise demand um, across the board that might not overshadow the excitement in and around AI. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, and we'll obviously, as we get closer, we'll talk about that. And the flip side of the Amazon story is now there's some stories out there about breakups and stuff and the potential for that. And that's something we've actually discussed. Let's look at Carter's Microsoft charts because this is one, I think, what's today, Wednesday? On Monday, uh, we talked about it on Fast Money. One of the names that I thought really had sort of the most at, most at risk or the most to lose was Microsoft. Not because it's not a great company, uh, Carter, but because of the valuation and the run that it's had. And again, I think the quarter was okay. 
It wasn't great. I think their commentary during the conference call obviously took it to these levels. But, you know, you brought some charts, so we might as well take a look. Right. So uh, the first thing we know, of course, is that Microsoft um, attempted and did briefly make a new high moving above its all-time prior high of December 2021. Now, there are false breakouts, and with the weakness now today in response to earnings, uh, that is uh, very much what the action of the prior two weeks has to be designated as. It failed to break out, a false breakout. Now what? Well, um, that blue circle, uh, while it might appear random, is at the lower band of that well-defined channel, which marks the angle in which what Microsoft has been ascending since its lows of uh, last year in December. That The next chart, if you'll see, is a reference point. Now, one prior intermediate peak is not that important, but if we toggle chart one, chart two, chart one, chart two, and let's put them together, chart three, that is a reference point. In fact, this these uh, charts were uh, put together um, also for an incoming uh inquiry from a client, a portfolio manager in the Midwest, where would you uh, nibble on Microsoft? And so the reply was with these three charts, hey, look, at the 315 plus minus level, uh, you would have two reference points. Um, and also at that point, the stock would be down about 15%. Uh, not a bad place for those who have a long-term view to put some money to work in Microsoft. Now, one could say that's absurd. Microsoft's dropping at 250. It's still overvalued. That is all fine. But for those who are running institutional money, who have to be exposed to Microsoft, they are benchmarked to the S&P. And Microsoft's weighting is what it is, and they can't be too underweight. If they have been properly underweight, waiting for this kind of moment, um, they're not going to wait for 250. You don't know that you'll ever get that. So I would just say at around 315, certainly if one is shorted well, I would reduce the shorts, if not cover outright. And or for those looking to commit capital, have a three-year view on Microsoft, whatever that might mean. A 15% haircut from the top is not a bad place to start to nibble. Yeah, no doubt. And you had a great call. Um, I, I love that you did it. Um, I, I know that you didn't mean to do it as a pairs, but because they were both reporting um, last night on worth charting, I think it was on Monday, you had a report out and you had an extensive grouping of charts, you know, charting the Microsoft and then charting the alphabet. And you were a seller of Microsoft and a buyer of alphabet. And I mean, it was just um, a really, it's really nice when it plays out that way, Carter. Yeah. We know that it, we it, all it, know how bad it can be when it's not. So, no, but 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 it's interesting. You know, we've had this conversation with you. I know that we had it on Fast Money a few weeks ago, and um, we've had it on Market Call. I mean, this has kind of been your view into the print. You know, like it, it's not saying that you were set up that way, but the fact that you put it out on Monday the day before both companies were going to report, I think that's the most important part um, to me about it because that was going to be the thing that would either change a narrative that would either break the fever that's been in a Microsoft and maybe cause on the flip side, an alphabet to play a little catch up. And that's exactly what happened. Maybe the guys could pull up a multi-year chart of alphabet really quickly and just say, okay, up five and a half percent. I think it was up 7% in its highs or so it's trading near 130. you know, still a ways away from those 52 week all-time highs, but that's a good looking flag right there. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's probably hard. You're hard pressed to say, 
um, you know, that, that this thing might not be able to follow through in a decent market here. Right. It's up and out of this consolidation. So it has the strong advance and then this very determined sort of backing and filling representing consolidation. Now it is up and out of that with a gap today. And I would think there's follow through. Um, the irony is that Microsoft was the one that was loved by the street going into earnings. And Google was the one that was, oh, they're going to have, you know, ad spend problems. And it turns out that sometimes uh, it's, well, it's all priced in. Google's underperformance has been so severe compared to Apple and Microsoft back to highs that uh, it's playing catch up. And Microsoft and Apple have been so uh, big and outperformance like that what's the upside? So what will be most interesting is, again, these last two, the last two really heavy, beloved, well-owned names, Apple and NVIDIA. And of course, how they go will determine whether the market really can continue or whether we're putting in an intermediate top. Yeah. Yesterday on Market Call, I mean, Guy and I shared kind of your view here just from a fundamental standpoint and thinking that, you know, Microsoft, a lot of good news was in the stock. They announced the, uh, the pricing for their co-pilot, um, you know, product offering. And, you know, to, to me, I, I didn't see a whole heck of a lot of upside. I thought if it broke 340, it's probably going back to 320. So we'll see if it gets there. And on the flip side, you know, my take was I'm not a buyer of Google into the print. I would have loved to see maybe um, in investors slightly disappointed and I'd be a buyer um, on a bit of a pullback, maybe to 110, 115, but it doesn't look like we're getting there. Um, I want to hit semis really quickly here because, Guy, you and I were talking about Texas Instruments um, yesterday into the print. It was making a new 52-week high. It looked like a nice little breakout, Carter, if we throw up our chart here, not yours, but a rejection here after the print down you know, five and a half percent or so, it's still holding your 150 day moving average. If we look at it on a five year basis, you know, you see that it's been in a, a pretty healthy consolidation here. Um, doesn't mean it's out of the woods by any means. Quick take on Texas Instruments. And then I want to kind of extrapolate it a little bit to the SMH, because I know that you have been running charts in the semi group talking about relative highs, of the S&P, and it's not making you particularly bullish. What is a stock like Texan, which is an important name in the group, doesn't have the sort of AI exposure that anyone would expect or, or, or get excited about, but is this thing still intact? And then let's talk about the SOX, this SMH. Yeah, so if we go to the daily chart, the first one, um, I think it's an important um, testament to there's charts are not infallible. I mean, good technique. This chart before today's price action would be to play for a breakout. If you took 100 stocks in this position, exactly TXN before today's drop in gap, 1940, 1980, 2040, when we're all retired out of the business, at least I will be, um, the, the odds are high and you play them like cards, play them like cards dealt, that you get the breakout. But do they always break out? Of course not. And so is it 60-40? Is it 70-30? Is it 55-45? Your odds are in your favor. You play the patterns appropriately. But this is a good testament, first and foremost, they don't always break out. They don't always uh, bounce off the 150-day moment. They don't always continue to bottom out and turn when you're a bearish to bullish reversal. But here and now, what to do? In principle, um, it doesn't really change the pattern. Uh, it's just back to where it was five, seven, eight uh, days ago. But here's the real problem. It now has no chance of breaking out, right? And there's every chance that maybe uh, it follows through to the downside, right? Which is to say, now it is fallow money at best, pair of twos at best. If not, 
there's more downside. But you don't recover quickly from a drop-in gap like that. So there's no reason I would take all of my money out of TXN and find something else. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Dan, you mentioned semis, and this is something you've talked about. And I don't know if it's going to be this quarter or the commentary on the back of this quarter, but you're going to start to hear double ordering, demand destruction, all those phrases that we haven't heard for a while. I think I'm going to start to come back into vernacular. So companies that may look cheap now are going to get real expensive real quick. And despite what people say, um, semiconductors are still an extraordinarily cyclical business. I think you know, a lot of people think somehow we got away from that, but we haven't at all. And you look at an AMD, for example, if we can throw up a chart, we brought this up before, but it's worth bringing up again. When they reported their last quarter, I mean, that stock went down 10% in a straight line. It only rallied 50-something percent, almost 60% on the back of this entire AI craze. So a lot of the AI stuff has clearly um, bolstered a lot of the space. But to your point and the point you've been making, you know, if you're seeing double ordering or stuff and you start to see demand destruction, these stocks all of a sudden don't look nearly as cheap as you think. And the runs that they've had can be stopped in a, you know, on a dime and go the other way extraordinarily quickly. Yeah, Carter, talk to us a little bit about this SMH. I mean, this is an epic, epic double top. And, and again, I, I think it was on maybe faster or here a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about uh, relative to the, um, the S&P, um, it's been underperforming of late despite some of this, um, this recent gap here, um, you know, that from really on the heels of the NVIDIA in late May. Talk to us what you're seeing here and, 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 and how you're thinking about the group. Well, so just as you've intimated, I mean, for now, it is a stock. You don't know that it's a double top, which implies it goes lower. But for now, it is a stock that is doing what is highly likely in the circumstance where it's an ETF, of course. But the point is that when you quickly return from sharp lows to a former high, uh, before you can exceed it, you contend with it for the obvious reasons, which is to say contending is backing and filling or backing away. So it's in the process of doing that. It can back away all the way to the uptrend line in effect since the low, annotated there in uh, green-yellow. Um, and then further down the road, could it end up being right uh, an important double top from which materially lower uh, levels are, are seen? There's every prospect of that. Uh, but the main thing here and now is it's not a buy. It's if I think it's fair. Let's say this. I think we can all agree that up, down, or sideways is the only three choices, right? That covers 100% of the odds. I would say sideways to down captures 85% of. The I agree odds. with that, and, and I know we got to get out here in a minute. But if we could look at a longer-term Microsoft chart, it's going to look extraordinarily similar to this. By the way, you know we pushed up towards a prior all-time high. Probably even got through it to a certain extent, but. You've obviously seen the move in the aftermath, and this looks hauntingly familiar, just to sort of keep it in perspective. You obviously have that bit of a blow off top, but you know the levels we just traded up to are the levels that we just sort of looked at in the SMH. So just something to consider, Dan. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, as far as the SMH is concerned, I mean, Guy, you mentioned it yesterday, um, you know, NVIDIA, which is going to report in probably about a month or so, um, you know, it's 20% of the SMH. We already had Taiwan Semiconductor, which is 11%, second largest holding, you know, just gave downbeat guidance and has sold off a little bit. You know, Broadcom is going to be one that I, I know that people think um, are, are a little excited because their exposure in AI, you know. I, I feel like this is a space. I think the SMH is probably the way to play it. I, I had a couple of very 
poor, poor entry points in the NVIDIA after its gap in June and playing it from the short side using puts. But I think I'm going to get back in there um, as far as the SMH is concerned. Um, that's how I'm going to be thinking about it. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, because this is a really interesting move. And it's a stock that I think that, you know, a lot of folks are not talking about. In, in the U.S., we really have a couple pure play ways to play EV, right? Tesla has been one of them. Rivian has been another. There's been a couple other um, companies that, you know, are here in the U.S., but, um, you know, not, not big players, not big market caps. And then there's like a lot of them in China. And one of those in China, Xpeng, which is XPEV, got a $700 million investment from Volkswagen, right? This is one of the largest automotive producers on the planet. And you see that headline here. You see that move the stock has had into today's gap. Carter, talk to us a little bit about this, because I got to tell you, in a more normal market where, you know, we as investors here in the U.S. are focused on our multinationals and how they penetrate other markets, you know, China has been a huge part of the Tesla story, not just from a manufacturing standpoint, from a consumer standpoint, um, and also from a rare earth material standpoint as it relates to the batteries that goes in these EVs. This sort of headline, I I'm just shocked, is, is really doing nothing to Tesla. Yeah, it's red today. You know what I mean? But let's talk about Xpeng first, and then I'd love to get your take on Tesla because we haven't heard from you. You had a great call two months ago to buy Tesla. And then before the earnings, I think about a week or so ago, you said, let's get rid of this one. It's worked out really well. So we want to get your update on Tesla here. But first, Xpeng. Right. So obviously this is, uh, <laughs> well, just for starters, it traded 120 million shares today and it's only 130. There are only 700 outstanding. Uh, you'll have a third of the flow turnover today. Um, so first of four identical charts, uh, this is the all data chart with the smoothing mechanism, the 150 moving average. It is arithmetic, as you can see. Let's look at the log chart. So let's go back and forth, arithmetic, log, arithmetic, log. So uh, both are valid and some people only use one. I look at both to try to get perspective. But if we stick with the logarithmic, the question is, look how far above the 150 day we are. We're, we're double, right? Uh, we're 100% above. And then one more drawing, one more iteration. We're back to where overhead supply exists, right? People who purchased higher, not their fault, who then endured a nightmare, right? When you buy something at 20, it goes to six, that's a nightmare. Uh, some people dump it, they don't hang around. Some people never dump it. They say, I'll end run this thing if I have to, I'll go to zero with it. I'm not gonna be the sucker that gives it up and, and then it bounces. But now that it has bounced, you induce memory, right? People from above, let me get my money back. People from below, whoever nailed this, dumb luck or brilliance of the low, six, seven, eight. I just got printed 20, let me take the money. So it's a it move to a difficult level. Uh, if I had purchased this well, I would harvest, get out. Harvesting is a great thing. Great album by Neil Young, by the way. Let's take a look at a Tesla chart, maybe a little longer term going back to the fall of 2021. There it is. So, you know, you can your eyes can see a bit of a downtrend line that we broke out of in June. Um, with that said, a retest of that downtrend line is probably <clears throat> in order. And it doesn't mean the stock is broken. It doesn't mean the company's bad. But the same way that you break out to the upside and do a retest uh, back towards a trend line, I think the same thing's going to happen here. So, you know, you can make probably a small uptrend line from, excuse me, the December low. That will probably intersect around the same way that downtrend line is from the prior all-time high. And you probably find yourself just eyeballing it in the low 200s. And so I think that's a reasonable level to sort of reload, in my opinion, Dan, if you're looking to get into Tesla. 
Yeah, and you know, the nice thing is, is that Carter comes with lines on his charts. We just talk about them, guy. We're just armchair we're just armchair technicians over here. So Carter, talk to us a little bit about this. You caught this. What was the breakout level that you were playing? It was after they disappointed in April. The stock made new lows-ish, you know, like it, it kept on going lower, you know, for like a week or so afterwards. But there was a level. Was it when it got back above 200? Is that where you kind of, and it went straight from 200 to 300. So just give us a sense of uh, kind of what you're thinking now. I can't remember. Somewhere in there, it's June. It was, it was starting to, Move above the downtrend line in effects in September, but yeah, um, but but to the the chart now, right? I mean, this is also a pair of twos. Let's let's put in some lines, and so these are converging trend lines. I mean, let's put in some arrows. I mean, and if, if you see, so here is always the question. Let's take the arrows away, put them back, take them away, put them back. You know, anyone who will doesn't look at a chart and just does fundamentals intellectually, how do you explain this? Is this uh, rigged? This is a game. How does it stop to the penny, to the penny, to the penny? Because levels matter. There are a lot of neural networks, supercomputers using technicals, and there are a lot of just technicians, um, both champion technicians, average technicians, lousy technicians, just a lot of people looking at charts. And so what do we know? It's in its head. I think there's no trade. I would bet against volatility in Tesla too. I would say this just kind of belongs here if you can – even say that about any stock. We're going to get some fireworks in a bit. So an hour from now, Dan and Carter, think the markets look a lot different. I wish I could tell you which way. I don't know. I'll tell you, though, historically, the first move is the fade move. So we'll see what comes out. But that's it today. Dan, you look nice, by the way. In well, your hold wife. on. Hold on, guy. We got one one, one last thing. We got to look thing? at the meta. Um, sorry about that. So oh, meta sorry report about that. after the close tonight, an applied move about 9%. It's interesting. This, this stock you know, has had sold off, I think, eight or nine percent or so. Maybe we can throw um, a chart up there. Um, Carter, you know, this is one that you couldn't give away last fall. It was down 77 percent at its lows from its all time highs in late 2021. And you look at those series of gaps on earnings, obviously estimates, expectations, everything, you know, baby with the bathwater. It was thrown out. But we've had these two gaps now. Um what do you think here, man? Like this thing has been a very, very orderly rally to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars here. I think on a relative basis from a valuation standpoint, looks cheap to, to many of its mega cap tech peers here. How do you think this one plays into earnings here? And do you feel like you have to be a hero? You stick your neck out often in front of things, but when you don't have conviction, you're not just doing it for shits and giggles here. So curious your take on, on this expected move. In the yeah, it's a, it's a tough one in the sense that there are two very obvious conflicting data points. The first that's bullish, how many stocks look like this? How many stocks are this persistent? This is what momentum is. This is what relative strength is. Um, nothing succeeds like success, um, as the expression goes. R respect it. And the other is, it's already gone from from eighty to whatever the price. I mean, it can't can't see it on the grid, but it's 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 right. Yeah. So the point is, you know, um, usually it's right to favor relative strength, and so if I had to, and I I, I haven't put out anything in this because I do think it's too much of a jump ball. My guess is to be long. 
All right, fair enough. Um, let's keep those stops tight there, people. I mean, a 9% implied move on a stock of this magnitude that's run this hard, it sounds like a big number, but it's actually not that big of a deal. And listen, you know, Guy, you know, just one quick comment on earnings season. It's like sometimes we trade in front of earnings, and that's when you have conviction. A lot of your inputs kind of line up, um, you know what I mean? But when you don't have all those line up, um, it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. You're kind of flipping a coin. Um, so there you go. All right, guy, take us out, bud. That's it. Appreciate everybody joining us for Market Call. The great Carter Braxton Worth. I want to thank our sponsor, FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. Obviously, the great Dan Nathan. It's going to get interesting in about a half hour, so stick around. Uh, Carter will join us again next week. Does yeoman's work. I don't know what a yeoman is. And thanks to the audience for joining us. We will see you tomorrow with the great EY from SoFi. And, of course, if it's Thursday, it's Butters. Butters. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Carter. Bye, guys. Bye.